Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Well, how about them, cowboys? It's a Victory Monday pod. Oh, it's been a long time since we've done those. Let's break down the win over Dallas. Drag up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Pigpen Podcast, a Victory Monday edition of the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Big time win for the football team over the Dallas Cowboys, 25-3 to the final. Ever so close from the elusive shutout for the defense. But all in all, a very fun football game to watch from our perspective, in spite of the fact that this legendary rivalry had absolutely no build whatsoever. It did not feel like it was Dallas week at all. I was not overly excited heading into this football game to watch this football game. But I will say, in the spirit of being honest, once the ball was down, once we were actually playing the game, I got super into this. A lot more into the football game than I anticipated I was going to get into because there's just something about the Dallas Cowboys. And more importantly, there is something about beating the Dallas Cowboys that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. I love watching the Cowboys be one of the organizations in our league, in the NFL, that are in like the absolute worst place possible. They're not quite New York Jets bad, but they're close. And they're a lot closer to the New York Jets than we are. Oh, that makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. So because this is a Victory Monday edition, we will give out some game balls. Remember, I I did that the first time we did a Victory Monday podcast in week one. So I understand it's been a little bit of time. But game balls, pretty self-explanatory. It's not all that creative. I apologize. Whatever. Uh, We'll give those out 
in just a moment. But here's what I learned. Here's what I learned from this contest and the victory over Dallas. This organization is not where we want to be. I think we that's that's pretty obvious, right? I think we all understand we want winning football here in D.C. The organization is not where it wants to be, but there are certainly the pieces in place to get them there. That's my biggest takeaway from this football game, and I'm not necessarily talking solely from an on-field perspective. I'm talking more from a cultural perspective, from some of the voices that we have in the locker room. And when I think of the voices in the locker room, the guys that are the leaders, one guy that I'm going to think of, and I will always think of this individual, is John Allen, just the way that he was raised. I happen to know quite a bit about John Allen and his his upbringing. He's from right around here, so I've known about John Allen since he and I, he and I are the same age, so since we were in high school, I knew who John Allen was. Uh, so I know about his history, his upbringing, and, and the coaches that he's played for, both the collegiate level, obviously, with Saban, uh, and even Coach Mickey Thompson here at Stonebridge. Uh, so I view John Allen as a very, very powerful voice and a leader. He's a guy that's not afraid to stick up and say things that need to be said, even when it's not fun. I incorporate just about everyone else in the defensive line into that philosophy and into that way of thinking because it sure seems like everyone on the defensive line is in the same boat when it comes to that mentality, even to the point where Chase Young was doing push-ups after what he felt bad reps this offseason. So their culture, their mentality, that is in a very, very good spot. But it was this clip, and I want to play this some, some sound for you because I can't do it justice, but it was this clip from Terry McLaurin after the victory that really kind of drives that point home, that we have guys that know what it takes to win and know that they that we want to win. So I'll play this clip for you. We'll dive into it. We'll dissect it a little bit. But here is Terry McLaurin in the locker room after the victory against Dallas. Football team, guys. It really is, okay? Anybody got anything? Any sure, guys, um, I know I'm still a young guy and a captain nothing, but uh, the way we came out this week, um, it was better than last week. I thought we deserved to win last week the way we came out in practice. That was complimentary football from the offense to the defense yeah. to, the, to the special teams, man. Yeah. That's, that's what yeah. they feel this. Mm-hmm. Enjoy this right now because that's what we can build on now we're right in the thick of it so we're going to take this week off take care of yourself take care of each other take care of your bodies man because we're right in the middle of everything that we want yeah. so i just have to say that man yeah. let's, let's come back even stronger after this bye week fantastic stuff there from terry who is in my estimation not the guy that i would necessarily think of first as a dude that's going to make comments like this And oftentimes, it is the guys that don't normally make these sort of comments where they kind of hit a little deeper, right? It's the the quieter, soft-spoken dudes. They're not talking a lot, but when they do talk, you listen. When When they're talking, they have something to say. That drives the point home that we have all of the right pieces in place. Or not all of them, but we have a number of correct pieces in place to eventually get to the place we want to get to as an organization. I am still not 100% sold that we're going to win the division. Obviously, this game makes me feel a little bit better about what this offense can be, what the defense can be. But you also have to take into consideration Dallas is a bad football team. It brings me great joy to say that Dallas is a bad football team. But this is not a great benchmark, not a great litmus test. It's very similar to Philadelphia, only the difference now is that we actually know Dallas is a bad football team. 
when we beat Philadelphia in week one, we didn't know how bad Philadelphia was. But now it's clear that everyone in this division is a bad football team. So I don't want to get too over my skis. I don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment saying, all right, we beat Dallas. This division is now ours for the taking. Although mathematically that is still accurate because, again, this division is is completely terrible. I still don't think we are where we need to be in order to win the division this season. But it makes me feel good seeing performances like this and seeing guys inside of the locker room that are saying, hey, we have this opportunity. We are in the spot where we can make this happen. I know there's been this almost this push and pull effect uh, amongst the fan base as to how we really handle this season. Uh, I've always viewed this season as more of a rebuild. But one thing that I will never be a fan of early in the season is playing for draft picks. I think doing it in week 15, 16, and 17 is very different from doing it in week 6 or week 7, right? I don't like the idea of tanking in the NFL. I just don't think it's a sport where it's morally and ethically right to tank. Not that anyone cares about what I feel is morally or ethically correct, but I just don't feel like football is the sport to tank in. So I'm never going to root for our team to lose football games uh, in the early stages of the season. You want to get to 60, week 16 or 17, by all means, I'm all for it. Hell, that's kind of why we got Chase Young. So I'm certainly not complaining about that sort of uh, mentality, but doing it now is something I can't get on board with. So I like the idea of the players not also getting on board with that saying, all right, we still have a position, we're still in a position where we can win this division as bad as it is. And we look at the schedule that we have coming up, and it certainly seems like there are a lot of winnable games. And we can make the argument that the game against New York should have been a victory. So moving forward, that's a game that we should schedule as a win, right? If we're very serious about winning this division, that's what it should be. I still have a ton of questions about Kyle Allen, although he played better. I'm not going to knock the guy too hard for his performance, although I will just point out his pocket awareness is still not great. He still has happy feet way too often. Uh, There are things that are very glaring as to why he is not uh, the quote-unquote savior at the quarterback position for our team and why he is certainly not going to be the future at the quarterback position, God willing, for this team. But he did some good things yesterday. It was nice to see us throw the football deep. It was also nice to to see Terry McLaurin catch the football deep, right? I mean, having all those things come together was, it gave you a little bit of hope saying, all right, this is what a functioning offense looks like in the NFL. Antonio Gibson playing well, running the football well. What a joy it is. What a joy it is when you can run the football. Amazing, right? What a luxury that has been. And that's something we hadn't had. It'd been a very, very long time since we had gone over 100 yards rushing with one person on the team. More on that in the game ball section because, of course, Antonio Gibson, spoiler alert here, he's getting a game ball. But I learned a lot about the mentality of the team with some of the stuff off the field after the win more than I learned anything on the field. Because, again, Dallas, not a good football team. Not a great litmus test as to where this team can be. This is a game we were supposed to win. So you can celebrate it. Yes, it's great to see Dallas in turmoil. I love that. But this is a game we were supposed to win. They handled their business. Congratulations to that. Enjoy the bye week, and then let's move forward. And if we're serious about winning the division here, this is now when the work starts in, starts to kick in. If we couldn't beat Dallas, there was absolutely no hope or prayer of us winning the division. So we handled business in that regard. Now let's move forward and see what we can do after this bye week. All right, enough of kind of the overall view. Let's get into some game balls. 
All right, before we do the actual game balls themselves, uh, we'll start with the honorable mentions. Okay, I'm not going to save the honorable mentions for the back end. Uh, I'll start with the honorable mentions. We got to give kudos to Logan Thomas. I thought this was his best game uh, that he's played so far this season. Made a couple really big plays, scored a touchdown, a couple big receptions. I thought Logan Thomas played really well. I think it's fair if we are going to criticize Logan Thomas as we did in the early parts of the season. We got to give him kudos when he deserves it. I thought he played really well. Same goes for the offensive line. You know, we had a lot of questions about this offensive line. We had some injuries on this offensive line. I thought the guys that were out on the field today or yesterday, I thought they did a really good job taking care of business. Dallas's defensive line is not good, but that's okay. I, I, you line up and you play whoever's in front of you. So I'm not diving into what ifs. I'm saying, well, you know, their defense isn't really that good. I don't really care. I don't care at all. You play who's in front of you. They handle the business against who was in front of them. And from a young offensive line that has dealt with some issues early on in the season, maybe this is the confidence boost that they need to really get into some form of rhythm. That That's that's the best case scenario in my mind as to how we move forward here. And then third and finally for the honorable mention, uh, Cameron Curl, I thought played really, really well yesterday. We are without Landon Collins for the remainder of the season, which of course uh, is brutal. It's something you never want to deal with. But I thought Cameron Grohl played really, really well yesterday. I'm excited to see what his future is. He's not a guy that we seemingly heard a ton about in camp. You know, we hear all these great things about Troy Apke. We didn't hear a bunch about Cameron Curl, but in the downs and the snaps that he's been able to play this year, I thought he's handled himself very, very well. Obviously, he's still young. He's not making huge plays by any stretch of the imagination yet. But I think there's a lot of potential with him. Uh, at the safety spot. I don't know where they're going to move. Maybe they'll move him around a bunch. I know they've kind of shifted Kendall Fuller into safety responsibilities more and more frequently on third down when it's obvious passing situations. Uh, I'd like that. I like that moving forward, but I like the use of Cameron Crowell based on what I saw yesterday, specifically after Landon Collins went out. I'm excited for the future uh, of that young man. Okay, boom. Honorable mentions out of the way. Let's get to the guys that are deserving of some game balls here. I think the first week I did this, there was like a cap, like I want to do one for offense and one for defense. To hell with that. I have no idea how many more we're going to get to do with these as the season progresses. So I'm taking full advantage of giving out some game balls and recognizing who was fantastic on offense and defense from this game. We're going to start with Terry McLaurin. I thought he was awesome. You heard the sound um, after the game. That was fantastic, but it was his play on the field. He is consistently the best offensive player that we have, and that doesn't change no matter who he lines up against. Seven receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown. He is a guy that is continuing to get more and more confident, and that was put on full display in that little altercation between him and Trayvon Diggs. I like Trayvon Diggs. Local kid, played his high school ball in Maryland, brother, obviously, of Stephon Diggs. I like Trayvon Diggs, but Trayvon Diggs learned a very valuable lesson. Know who you're talking to, and more importantly, know who you're slapping. They got in that little altercation, a little bit of a back and forth. Trayvon Diggs smacked Terry McLaurin in the helmet, which uh, I have a long history of criticizing individuals for open palm or even closed fist punching a metal face mask. It's stupid as hell. It doesn't make any sense. But Trayvon Diggs smacked Terry McLaurin, 12 seconds later, and boom, 52-yard touchdown, the next play. 
man, that just feels great, doesn't it? It just feels great to be on the winning side of that. Because I feel like in the past, we have often been on the the wrong side of altercations like that. For whatever reason, the one that pops into my head, and this is from such a long time ago, I'm really dating myself, not really dating myself, I'm 25, but the Josh Morgan, Cortland Finnegan incident in like a week two a few years ago, I think that was the RG3 year, week two, where Josh Morgan threw a ball at Cortland Finnegan for a 15-yard penalty and then we missed a field goal. That is for whatever reason, that's the, that's the moment that continuously pops into my head when I think about bad altercations that we have lost as a football team. So it's nice to be on the other side where someone makes a dumb play in Trayvon Diggs or a dumb decision in smacking Terry McLaurin and then just watches McLaurin go right by him. I have no idea what kind of defense Trayvon Diggs was supposed to be playing there. He almost like literally pushed Terry McLaurin right past him, which I was okay with given the circumstances, but he looked bad. Terry McLaurin did not look bad. We actually threw the ball deep, which was a surprise, a very pleasant surprise, and it was successful. So I'm giving Terry McLaurin the first game ball of the day. We're sticking right with the offense for the second one. And of course, we're going to Antonio Gibson. This was the first time a running back on our roster has gone over 100 yards since December of last year. That doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but you got to remember, we're in late October. It was almost a full calendar year that a member of the then Washington Redacteds, now Washington football team, had gone over 100 yards rushing in a game. Antonio Gibson broke that. He is fantastic. I love watching him play football. It seems like the more opportunities he gets to touch the ball, the better he handles them. My only issue is that he still is not touching the ball as much as I want him to touch the football. 20 carries, 128 yards and a touchdown, 6.4 yards per carry, and of course he did have that long 40-yard burst. I want him to touch the football significantly more. And moving forward, if we are in a goal line situation, which we were on our opening drive, where we went forward on fourth down, if we are in a goal line situation, put Gibson in the game. Let him showcase the athletic ability that he has and let him leap. We don't need to we don't need to do the quarterback sneak thing with Kyle Allen. No, 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 no. We don't need to put Peyton Barber back there. No, 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 no. Put this athletic freak that we have, the weapon, put him in the backfield, give him the football, and either he finds the hole or he leaps over everyone and gets himself into the end zone. I want him to get the goal line touches as we move forward here. I think to this point in the season, he has earned the right to get more and more touches, especially in those close quarter situations at the goal line because he knows what to do with the football and they work. So I want to see him get the ball more. We had averaged 82.2 yards per game running the football, entering this matchup. We had 85 yards still with time left in the first quarter. So that's how great the running attack was. And I think Gibson, along with the offensive line, but Gibson, at least on my end, is getting a significant portion of the credit for that. He played fantastic. He gets game ball number two. And I do just want to, before we wrap it up on Gibson, he outplayed Ezekiel Elliott. Antonio Gibson played better than one of the highest paid running backs in football. Don't let anybody forget that. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. He outplayed Zeke. 
I should almost give him two game balls for that. You know what? I will. This segment doesn't have rules anyway. And even if it did have rules, I made the damn set, so I'll break them. I'm giving Antonio Gibson two game balls. One just on sheer performance alone. And then a second one for outplaying Ezekiel Elliott. Kudos to you, Antonio Gibson. Kudos to you, my friend. All right, let's get to the defense now. So two on the offense. We got two on the defense. How about Cole Holcomb? How about this guy coming out of nowhere almost? Maybe not nowhere. That's that's underselling it. That, But Cole Holcomb played fantastic. I loved what I saw from him. And he was very, very close. He was one forced fumble away from the defensive cycle. He had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. He had an interception. All he needed was a forced fumble. And he would have completed the cycle on the defensive side. He was awesome watching him blow up Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, raise your hand if you've watched that one over 100 times. I'm dead ass serious. I've watched that one triple digits. It was great. So he gets first game ball number one. If you pay attention to pro football focus grades, I'd kind of take him with a little bit of a grain of salt. But if you pay attention to pro football focus grades, uh, his 78.9 is one of the best grades that we have on our defense. It's it's like him, it's Kendall Fuller, and it's Chase Young. Chase Young is the best graded guy we have on defense. Not really a surprise there. But I love what I saw from Cole Holcomb. Uh, we likely don't really need John Bostic anymore. Uh, we'll get into that hit uh, coming up momentarily to close up. But uh, I want to see a lot more from Cole Holcomb. I thought he earned the right to play significantly more uh, coming out of this bye week. So Cole Holcomb gets game ball number one for the defense. And game ball number two goes for just the gamer. That is Montez Sweat. I mean, he is straight up. He is a machine. He's an animal. He is a straight up gamer. Two sacks for Montez Sweat. His speed is frightening on the outside. Watching him legitimately chase down quarterbacks is something that I could get used to for years and years to come. And I had this almost epiphany, if you will. I don't know if I want to compare these guys necessarily, but I had this epiphany. Montez Sweat is everything that I think we as an organization, as a fan base, hoped and dreamed that Preston Smith would be. It's just that Montez Sweat actually is that. He is fun to watch. The future of him on one side and Chase Young on another side, oh my God, is going to give defense or offensive coordinators fits it's already starting to give offensive coordinators fits sweat has been awesome these past few weeks uh you know what i'll break my rule again i'll give him two game balls because i can't really give out a game ball in like a loss like that's kind of weird uh so we're making up for some of the lost time and some of the lost games but montez sweat has been absolutely fantastic credit to him he gets two game balls on the day here um just really really great play from from him and from Holcomb as well. All right, so that's going to wrap up game balls. If I missed anybody, if you thought that there was someone that really, really played well and was really, really deserving of a game ball, hit me up on Twitter, at Denton underscore day. Now let's dive into our good buddy, John Bostick. In my mind, I, I kind of hate, in a way, ending podcasts on a negative note, especially, especially Victory Monday, right? Love Victory Monday podcasts. We don't get them very often, so I enjoy them. But that John Bostic hit sucked. Uh, There's not really a way to sugarcoat it. It it was a hit that you never want to see. In fact, the NFL has gone to great lengths to take that hit out of a football game. Now, I will credit our fan base based on what I've seen, at least on Twitter. 
everyone with a brain has handled this situation perfectly. Everyone has been critical and criticized John Bostic for that hit, as they should have. The fact that Andy Dalton left that stadium with his head on his shoulders is a win for Andy Dalton. But you just can't see a hit like that happen for two reasons. One, it was a 15-yard penalty, and it was a third down. You used to see Kendall Fuller in the replay. He's looking at him like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You can't put the defense in a bad spot there. Now, yes, the defense was dominating. This is a fun defensive performance to watch today or yesterday. That's the second time I've done that. But it was a fun defensive performance to watch. And you're just keeping the Cowboy offense on the field. So from that regard, it was bad. And then just from the physical perspective, from the moral, from the ethical perspective, it was terrible to see that hit. There was no need for it. He easily could have touched him down. I know we hate Dallas, but like I don't want to see Andy Dalton die on a football field. I don't want to see anybody die on a football field. And it made me very happy that Cole Holcomb played well in the absence of John Bostic because Holcomb is the future for us at the linebacker spot. John Bostic is not. You know, this I don't know if this was the final straw here, but it damn sure should have been. Because I don't know how much we need Bostic moving forward. He's made a couple good plays this season. I thought last year he there were some plays that he made. You're like, all right, this is this is why he brought this guy in here. But in terms of a long-term perspective, there's not a whole lot of room for him moving forward here, especially after a hit like this. According to Adam Schefter, he's likely not going to get suspended, which I know is going to cause a whole lot of ruckus on the internet. People are going to be all up in arms. Oh, my goodness, how could they not suspend him? I don't hate the decision not to suspend him, although I wouldn't have minded if they did suspend him. I was very much going with the flow. I would have taken whatever decision that the NFL decided to lay out on this one. And I thought that was a fair perspective to do it from because this, again, this is something that we want to take away from the sport. And if you are one of the very few people that liked that hit, I would challenge your position by asking what if our quarterback was on the other side of that. Pick a quarterback. I don't care which quarterback is your favorite quarterback on the roster. Maybe not Alex Smith because people are still like kind of just weary about seeing Alex Smith get hit in general. But pick any quarterback on this roster. If you would have seen them get hit the way that John Bostick hit Andy Dalton, you would have been furious in your living room. Or you would have been furious at the bar or your friend's place or wherever the hell you were watching the football game. You would have been heated, like steam coming out of your ear, face all red. It would have been a bad look. And I stay consistent in my feeling towards that. So just because I don't like the Dallas Cowboys, I'm staying consistent in my feeling. I know if that was our quarterback, I would be furious. So because of that, look, I'm not saying we got to cut the guy because of the hit. I think that might be extreme. I think that's... That would put me up there with the, the extreme lengths that people are going where they're saying, you should suspend him for multiple games. It was not a multiple game suspension hit. But I the future is very bright with Cole Holcomb, and it's seemingly growing darker and darker, dimmer and dimmer when it comes to the future of John Bostic. And that's just kind of my two cents on that. Uh, I don't want a, a long-term suspension. I will take a game or two. I think that would be fair. I don't want a long-term suspension because I just don't think it was – it was a long-term suspension worthy hit, and he doesn't have a, a rich history with doing dumb things like this. But it was a bad hit, and it's not something that I want to see moving forward with this team. I think we're trying to not be the team that makes stupid plays on a regular basis. 
All right, enough of the bad stuff. Back to the Victory Monday vibes as we close out this podcast. Let me know what your favorite part of the game was. If I missed somebody who was deserving of a game ball, in your opinion, hit me up on Twitter, at Denton underscore day. Victory Monday, we're going to keep it rolling. we got a bye week coming up. I'll drop one episode next week. That's the plan. Obviously, no preview episode coming at the bottom of this week, but I'll drop an episode next week. Hopefully, we'll get a nice guest on here, have a good conversation. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Until then, I'm out. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.